With Josh McDaniels out in Las Vegas, we brought on the ringers, Austin Gale, to see who could be next around the NFL. We're ranking the hottest seats for NFL head coaches on today's Renner Ranks. This is Renner Ranks, the ultimate NFL ranking show. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To today's episode of Renner Ranks, your go-to daily rankings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, and thank you to all the everydayers out there for breaking Renner Ranks, your go-to. Don't forget to subscribe, follow on YouTube, wherever your podcast. It does help out a lot. I'm your host, Mike Renner, NFL Draft Analyst for The Messenger, at Mike Renner underscore on any social media. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. This Crossover Thursday episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL. Use code, all lowercase, NFL for first pause match up to $100. As I said at the top, Austin Gale joins, as he does every Thursday. And we thought no better way for the resident Raiders fan to discuss Josh McDaniels and the other coaches that may be on the hot seat. It's a long one. They tend to be that way with Austin Gale. Let's get right into it. All right, Austin, as the resident Raiders fan, with obviously you got the shirt on right now. (laughs) Give me the Josh McDaniels reaction. Where's our head at? So I wrote a piece for the ringer.com. Go check it out. It, it, it sums it up well in the headline. Honestly, they, you know, Mark Davis hired Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from the new England Patriots organization with the expectation that it would have success like the new England Patriots organization once had with Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, etc. He said, I quote in the introductory press conference that ran for 45 minutes, we're leveling up. We're going to the next level. We are not rebuilding. We are not reloading. Josh McDaniels comes in in that opening press conference, and he says, I can win with Derek Carr here. Ziegler says, loyalty, hard work, you know, culture, all the buzzwords every GM and coach have ever said in any press conference. And it was all essentially, right? You see how quickly they made big splash moves for a former Patriot, Chandler Jones. First and second round pick for Devontae Adams and made him the highest paid receiver in the league. And then a contract restructure with Derek Carr that essentially was all funny money that allowed him to get out of the contract after that year anyway. The same guy that Josh McDaniel said he could win with, and he brought his college buddy over for, he has then essentially doesn't win with, goes 6-11, and 11, doesn't work. With, even Devontae Adams, like leading the league in receiving yards, doesn't work. Josh Jacobs leads the NFL in rushing yards, doesn't work. What ends up happening is that he gets another swing of the bat, right? He goes after Jimmy Garoppolo, and he gets Jacoby Myers, another former Patriot. He thinks it's all going to solve it. And I think what ultimately happened and what I keep reading too is in addition to losing, being a loser, a failure, players hated him. Like they hated him. Like there was the NFL PA survey that came out and said, players don't like the coaching staff because Josh McDaniels does too long of meetings and holds people late at practices way more than any other coach. You had him leaking Darren Waller's wedding info at the combine and then trading him 10 days after his wedding. You have multiple players on record at the Broncos organization and at the Raiders organization saying that they disagree with some of these things. And Mark Davis held a players meeting. I think it was last night. And he's like, what's going on? They're like, this guy fucking sucks essentially. Right. I mean, that's kind of what ended up happening because he did not have a worst, a worse two year start than a lot of other coaches. Right. Dan Campbell lost more games. Um, there, there are other coaches that have had longer leashes in their first two seasons. He's the only coach in NFL history hired and fired within, within his first two seasons as the head coach. Same thing happened in Denver. 
And the same thing now happens in Vegas. I, I guess my reaction was, thank God. You know, I don't want to have this broken record playing all season long, right? I mean, you, you don't want to continue to hear we need to work on things, blah, 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 and then carry potentially Jimmy, you know, uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels into next season. But the other thing, too, is like this failure is on Mark Davis. Mark Davis, who took the reins of the team when his dad died in 2011, has hired four head coaches now. Dennis Allen, Jack Del Rio, John Gruden, Josh McDaniels. He's hired three GMs, Reggie McKenzie, Mike Mayock, and Dave Ziegler. Through all that, since in, in like a little over 10 years, he is the one who I think the target is on now to actually, you have to make a change. You have to change your process in terms of who you're hiring and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. My reactions were like happy, but at the same time, it like it just, it still sucks. As a Raiders fan, it sucks that it's an endless cycle of just failure and this non-commitment to excellence as, uh, as everyone says. Yeah, it does. It is going to be interesting to me to see where like they go. You know, who who comes in and what their strategy then ends up being. Because what they should have done when McDaniels took over was, you know, he had a six-year contract. It should have been, we're not close to the Kansas City Chiefs. Objectively. You know, we, we are not good enough to compete. I don't care what moves we make right now. So we need to look two years down the line. You know, if you can't compete this year, probably weren't going to be, you know, you got to think further down the line, what's the strategy that's going to get us to compete? And instead, they're like, no, we're two moves away from competing with the Chiefs right now. And you just go through their decision by decision, like what Ziegler and McDaniels did building this roster or like, you know, not building this roster. Did they get a single thing right? You know, was the Devontae yeah. Adams trade, the car extension, not getting the fifth year option on Josh Jacobs. Though, so then you had to tag them the next year. Uh, the Chandler Jones signing, the Hunter Renfro signing, like every move they made turned to poop. It, yeah. it was just when you missed every yeah. single time, you really don't have a leg to stand on. There's no pick. There's no anything for them to point to and be like, see, we knew what the heck we were doing. None of it worked. Yeah. I don't, none of it worked. So yeah, it's really hard to, you know, the timing seems, I didn't expect it whatsoever. I thought with his contract, whatnot, he's at least getting through the season. I truthfully thought they were going to retain him to like, we'd be talking about this maybe week four, week five of next year, but it's hard to really say that, oh, they're going to miss out. That, oh, the vision, you know, oh, things were starting no. to turn around. It yeah, was I, I think that the word I kept using when I was talking about it with my editor is like, it's directionless and rudderless, but at the same time, very intentional. Like, no other new coach and new GM makes as big of swings as they did right away. First and second round pick for Devonta Adams and made him the highest paid receiver. They signed Derek Carr to that contract extension that I know was funny money, but still made this contract extension and technically publicly this commitment to Derek Carr. But then, also like the contract extension got them to the point where they couldn't trade him. Trade him. Right. Exactly. So, so that, yeah. so they end up just having to cut a quarterback who, you know, Josh Dobbs gets moved for a sixth, right? Like a quarterback yeah. that objectively should have gotten you picks back with how much the Saints signed him for. And, after and he they, was a free agent. the other reason they couldn't have traded him too, because of the contract, in addition to the contract situation is they freaking benched him and told him to not come to the games. They said, stay home. You know how much leverage you have in trading a player that you've already told to stay home? None. That they made, they made, it was a comedy of errors. And the first of which, again, was that first offseason where they signed Chandler Jones to this monster 
contract. Monster, for where he was, he was 32 years old when they signed him to a three-year, $51 million deal, who they end up having to cut for probably a situation no one would have saw. But still, you signed Chandler Jones. You, saw, you trade and signed Devontae Adams. You don't have a first or a second round pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Your first pick is in the third round, where you select Dylan Parham, the guard out of Memphis, who's still starting for the team now. Then you go 6-11, and 11, and you're like, ah, didn't work. Pull the plug. Reset. Again, like a half reset, where you're like, we're moving on from Derek Carr. We're, and we're going to go get Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think that you make that shift with the expectation that it's going to improve the team, and it doesn't. And when, when no one saw it, on, no, one, no one thought it was going to improve the team. That by itself is you're making all these mistakes. You're just making mistake after mistake after mistake, mortgaging future capital, and just really submitting yourself to purgatory. Factor that in with the players hate you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Like, goodbye. Like, it's not going to work. This isn't going to work. Like, if you make all those bad moves, Devontae Adams isn't going to work. You know, you, you, you were wrong on Derek Carr. Maybe you were wrong on the Hunter Renfro extension. Blah, blah, blah. You were wrong on not tagging Josh Jacobs. If the players like you, you can fight, man. You can fight through that. Like, if the players actually like you and the culture is there and they believe in the direction of the team, you can get there. The problem was not a single player was defending Josh McDaniels, right? The, the most positive comments you were getting from players were like Josh Jacobs saying, it's not my job. When someone asked, someone asked him, how do you spark the offense? He's like, it ain't my job. Devontae Adams is literally like a loss for words. He's like, I don't know. I don't know what to say anymore. And I don't know. When you get to that point and you lose a lot of games, I think the writing was on the wall. And like, he is now the only coach in NFL history that's ever been fired halfway through his second season twice. First time he got caught cheating and didn't perform. This time, tried to do a lot of the same things. We didn't even bring up the whole former Patriots. How many, how many former Belichick coaches or former Patriots coaches under the Belichick tree have tried to sign the Patriot way in free agency? Like, 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 like we're going to sign it in free agency. You know how we're going to get the Patriot way here? We're just sign. Deron Harmon, Jakob Johnson, Brandon Bolden, yeah. you, you, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jacoby Myers. Chandler Jones, that doesn't work, and it's never worked. The same reason Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, Josh McDaniels, all these other Belichick tree coaches have not worked is that the culture they bring is a winning culture without the wins, right? Like, they're like, oh, we're bringing a winning culture. Well, you're not winning anything. And that, that way, your culture when you're not winning needs to be a whole – the tune needs to be a little bit different. The attitude needs to be a lot different. I don't know, man. I, I, I get fired up about it because it's – it feels so obvious to why it's not working, but you know why it's not working and continues to not work is the hiring process in the NFL is never going to change. Hire your buddies, hire your friends, no matter how many times you use words like extensive and exhaustive searching process. We hired a committee to look at all this stuff. You're going to look at Patriots are winning games. We'll hire both those guys, you know, or before that he hired two guys from TV, John Gruden out of ESPN's booth and Mike Mayock of NFL network. Like the hiring process for any NFL team is not exhaustive or extensive. I think what does it get? Well, there's very. It's hard though. It's hard to know. It, it's it's impossible yeah, yeah. to know. They make it. They make it's by design that they make it impossible to know how much someone in enough an organization actually is contributing to wins. You know, so that that I, part. I think it's impossible to know. For sure, but it's not impossible to say it didn't work in Denver. Yeah, and no, I. I I understand. You know what I mean? Like, it's not impossible to say, like, this guy's already had a shot and it didn't work. Like, mm -hmm. giving him another chance 
is this where you want to be? I don't know. Like, I, I, I think that – and, like, you're like, oh, you're going to bring in Mick Lombardi as your OC? The same guy that you – like, are you going to do anything different? Like, you, I don't know. Like, I, I – what needs to happen with the NFL if, – if, when, when Mark Davis is going through this process again is you need to hire people that are going to do things differently. And I, I don't think that anything Josh McDaniels or Dave Ziegler were going to do is different. They were going to sign a bunch of Patriots – talk shit about their players and create a bunch of bad relationships and tell their starting quarterback that they said they could win with to stay home the last couple of games. That's ridiculous. Like that. And, and, and anyone could have seen this coming. We'll get back to AG in a sec here, but when the game clock stops, it's time to order in with DoorDash order chips, dips, nachos, everything you need to make your own nachos on DoorDash and get it all delivered without missing the game. Kick back at kickoff with unbeatable deals on everything you need for the watch party or tailgate. Score football's best deal, football season's best deals on groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. Get prepared for before game day. Stock up on your favorite appetizers and order all your tailgate gear on DoorDash. Then get ready to watch your team win. I know I'm partial to a few restaurants around me, two hands over here in Nashville, Taku Ramen. Those are my go-tos on DoorDash. And right now, when you order... Spend $15 or more, you get 50% off up to $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKED23. That's 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order with the code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. I do think you hit the nail on the head there, though, about the Patriot way in terms of how they practice, how they treat players, and it's just not working when you're a losing team. Yeah. Like the, the beauty of, you know, what they did in terms of being so hard on the players is that it basically never kept a good team from not being, from staying hungry, right? Like yeah. they, they were hard on them when everything's good, when you've won 13 games in the regular season, then you can berate the guys because they know we're winning. You know, you know, at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's paying off and that, you know, keeps them hungry. But when you're losing, everyone wants to win, right? Like no one wants yeah. to keep losing. You don't need to get in the face of grown men, give them extra time at practice when you're, you know, what were they? Six and 11 last yeah. year. Like, you know, yeah. you stick, you, you want to get better. You want to do better. So there, there does need to be a change of tune. So I do agree with that, but let's get to the coaches that are still in the NFL, still employed here and talk the hottest of seats around the league. Who AG is your third hottest seat at head coach right now? I'm going to move it to three just because I, I think he is the hottest seat if you go by technicality and if you're doing betting odds on who's not going to be a coach next year, it's Antonio Pierce. Like, I, I originally was going to put him one, but, like, he had that press conference today. I don't know if you guys – I don't know how old our listeners are, but Antonio Pierce is a former Giants linebacker, and, and, and Giants fans love the dude. He was hard-nosed. He's, like, a rah-rah guy. And you could see that. You could feel it in that opening press conference he had. Uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders as this interim head coach replacing Josh McDaniels. He's like, I'm from Compton, California. I rocked at the NWA. I've been, I was born a Raider. I, I'm a former player. I, I can, I can engage with players. I, 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 everyone knows my energy when I'm going in the room. I think my personality is going to impact this team. He said all the right things. If you can win a press conference, you won undefeated in his tenure. Problem is I don't think he's going to write this ship at the rate that even Basaccia did. Rich Basaccia, who went seven and five after John Gruden resigned in 2021 and went to a playoff game, Basaccia wasn't even brought back. 
as the head coach. And now maybe this is different. And if Antonio Pierce goes seven and five or however many games are left in the season and they, and they find a way in the playoffs, I think he'd have a shot. I just don't think that's possible with this roster. They're not starting Jimmy Garoppolo. And he says he gives us the best chance to win uh, that being Aiden O'Connell, the rookie. It's going to be a lot, right? Aiden O'Connell with this team, with this offense, I don't see him being someone who wins enough games for this Raiders team to make the playoffs and ultimately save these interim jobs for both general manager champ, Kelly and Antonio Pierce. So not by any fault of his own, but there's just no way like Mark Davis needs to nail this next one, like absolutely nail it. And I don't think Antonio Pierce ultimately is going to win enough games for him to be the guy. Does champ Kelly stay around? Yeah, maybe just because hard to evaluate a general manager at an interim level, but still like, I don't, I don't know if Antonio Pierce is ultimately the coach in 2024. Yeah. A weird definitely situation there but i didn't i didn't include Antonio pierce because too low hanging a fruit to put on a hot seat don't want that's to fair that's that fair right away my number three i went brandon staley los angeles chargers because they're three and four right now mm-hmm. and i still think they're a dangerous team i still think they're better than a record i still think they can get to playoffs but their next four games are against the jets lions packers ravens there's a very real chance they're four and seven at that point and when you have this guy who's committed to analytics year one, and then he stops doing that year two, and now he's like yeah. back and forth on whether he's in or he's out on analytics decisions year three. And he's a former DC who you brought over thinking he's, you know, the next Vic Fangio, who no matter what, you're going to have a good defense. And they've ranked 29th, 20th, and 26th, 26th this year in terms of points per drive allowed with, you know, a quarterback who really doesn't turn the ball over much on the other side of the ball. So you can't blame that. You can't blame what the offense has done to this defense. Defense has just been bad and they're not getting any better. They're even looking worse. So those two things combined, again, if it bottoms out this year, not bottoms out, but if you go below 500 with this roster, I don't, I just, I, I think he would get fired at that point. Fair yeah. or not fair. It's just, especially when it's your side of the ball, that's the one that's, you know, causing the issues here. It's not the offense. That's the problem. It's that defense. That's been the problem that that's just a tough pill to swallow as head coach. Yeah. I have Brandon Staley at, um, on my list. I won't say, uh, where I, I, I have him high. So I, I guess I could say I have him one. I, I think Brandon Staley oh, is out of seat Same. because I don't, I don't even think it's if they go below 500. I don't, I think if the Chargers miss the playoffs, it's done. It's okay. done. Like done. Done. I, I, they can't, they can't continue with Brandon Staley if this team makes the playoff or misses the playoffs because you had the embarrassing playoff loss last year. This year started off slow for a lot of the same reasons. They got in a new offensive coordinator, but the defense is so bad that they can't win games consistently. They're not consistently leading games. My opinion of the Brandon Staley situation beyond like, you know, the, the, the fourth down decisions and him kind of waffling on that is he's also, and I know that, the GM, I think it's Tom Telesco there for the Los Angeles Chargers, mm-hmm. is responsible for these decisions ultimately. But think about what they've done to add to that side of the ball. J.C. Jackson, Khalil Mack. I remember they ha- they brought in um, the defensive tackle, Sebastian Joseph Day. Like They, they were like, we're going to try and help you. We're going to bring in Eric Kendricks. We're going to bring in Kyle Van Oy. We will do what it takes. We want this defense to be better too. And it's much of the same. And for that to be his side of the ball and him to continue to struggle to right that ship, in my opinion, is the bigger flaw here. Then you factor in that you're wasting the prime of Justin Herbert. 
I don't know. And we forget that, remember, playing Mike Williams in that meaningless game and keeping Mike Williams out of the playoff game that they ultimately lost? That, like, there's some of these other decisions that he's made that have just been nonsensical. And at that point, yeah, bringing in a coach for a fresh start, I almost feel like it's necessary because there's going to be – now, I don't think the players by any means – are out on Brandon Staley. And I think that's a big reason why he stayed. I think the coaches, the players like playing for Brandon Staley. I think the problem is to say, if you go, don't make the playoffs again and the defense sucks again, I think this is the last draw, even for that locker room, right? It's a locker room that I think it expects a higher standard of success, specifically postseason success, knowing that they have that dude back there. They got Herbert. Herbert should get us in these wins. And the fact that they're not, I think something does have to change ultimately. Yeah. And I will say, to the personnel decisions. When you are trading for a guy, signing a free agent, big money free agent like JC Jackson and the Cleo Mack trade, that 100% has the head coach's fingerprints on too. Those are oh, yeah, from yeah. my Like the uh, draft day decisions, draft day decisions can be the GM. There's not, there's a separation there between college scouting and NFL scouting. But when you're seeing guys who play in the pros that you played against, that you're watching against other pros, you have as good an eye, you should have as good an eye as a head coach as any GM. And then when it's going to be that big of a contract that you've given to Jason Jackson or that big a trade that you're making for Clue Mac, you were involved. So that yeah. falls back on him too. That's the fact that those guys were, I mean, Mac a little impact, but definitely not worth what they gave up. And then JC Jackson was just a disaster. One of the worst free agent signings yeah. in NFL history. So yeah, has to be a hot seat. All right, what's your number two? That's a really good point that I don't think enough people bring up with, with head coach and general manager yeah. roster decisions. I think that a head coach in the draft probably has a little more say on, in the first and maybe second round of selections, but also not maybe as involved in some of these other selections that he has full scouting teams for and the general manager is working on. But for free agency, if you're handing out a top 10 contract at a certain position, the coach is going to know and the coach is going to be involved because that that's – it would be malpractice if they weren't, right? It'd be absurd if they weren't involved. Like, oh yeah, we're going to sign this player that the coach has no impact on saying yes or no to, to like a big monster contract. He's like, who's Whereas Jason with the draft? Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's just not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. yeah, back to the rest of that lengthy conversation with Austin Gale here in just a moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player prep stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Prize picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of player and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the code Locked on NFL for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash locked on NFL with code L O C K E D O N NFL. All right. Um, well, my number two, and obviously we won't be able to get to my number one. I have, I have my boy, Dennis Allen, Mark oh, Davis's first head coach and hire. The reason why I don't think Dennis Allen, why I think Dennis Allen's in the hot seat is. I think that, the, that this is the year. This is the year that the Saints tear it down. Mm. I think after this year, and I know they gave Carl that money, and I know that he's locked in for that, that quarterback position for the foreseeable future. I think that they really need to reset on that staff 
The offensive coordinator has question marks. The defense has question marks. They need to reset on that staff and bring someone in to have some juice. I just don't know if Dennis Allen and continuing with Dennis Allen is going to right the ship in New Orleans. And they're not going to be able to make any changes to the quarterback position for at least the next few years. I think Derek Carr's contract doesn't give them an out until after the 2025 season. That to me, are you committing to Dennis Allen through 2025 then? Like no matter what, like I just don't see how, if the Saints don't win this division, competing with the Falcons, the Panthers and the Bucks, where the the Falcons just benched their starter. The Panthers just won their first game last week. And the Buccaneers are starting Baker Mayfield. I, I If you can't win this division with all the money you gave Derek Carr, I do think that changes have to be made. And now you never really say coaching changes need to be made if you don't win the division. But I think that's the only way the Saints make the playoffs. They're not going to win enough games to be a wild card spot. They need to win the division to make the playoffs. And I think if they miss the playoffs after signing all this money to Derek Carr, and you, you talk about coaches being connected to roster decisions, Dennis Allen coached Derek Carr a long time ago. And he had to have had a hand in this decision. So if it doesn't work out and you end up losing, having a losing record and you lose out to Taylor Heineke and the Atlanta Falcons, how does a change not get made? Yeah, see, my, my thing is, though, one, I think they do win this division because okay. of all the points you made about the rest of this division being pretty poo. And two... You've used, you've used poo twice now. Well, I'm, I'm technically not supposed to curse. I go through, actually, I make notes of when, all the times you curse just so I can go back and mute that. So, Oh, my gosh. That's but keep going. Don't I'm go so off. Sorry. I don't need you. I don't <laughs> want to hold you back. Um, <laughs> but so, I, one, I think they win the division. Two, you don't get under. The cap situation is such that if you want to do a hard reset, you will not hard reset your cap until 2026. Mm-hmm. That's a fact of life. They literally cannot do it. They cannot create enough cap. They can only create enough cap space to get under the cap next year. And that's only by pushing more into 2025 to then get under for 2024. And so basically, if they don't resign any, if they don't sign any free agents next year and sign any free agents 2025 and let all those guys walk, 2026, you can have a blank slate, but you can't really have a blank slate until then in terms of a real that's insane, like good cap situation. So from that perspective, I think they're more likely to, if it doesn't work out, they don't win the division. I think P. Carmichael is the fall guy, mm-hmm. offense coordinator. That's what I would bet happens because it's like, hey, you said Derek Carr. You said you could work with him. You didn't. It looked like poo for the third time today. And now, now you, it's your it's your fault. Dennis Allen stays because you get a new head coach. You're you're in a two year rebuild anyway. So there's really yeah. no. But why it's, not? Why not bring in? And now I don't think we've brought up his name yet. But Mickey Loomis has to be looked at here. We have to. We have to look at Mickey Loomis as a guy that but, the same. But they still win, right? They're still four yeah. and four. It's not. This isn't yeah. like you know. But they, okay, they have but done that, this. If the ownership can't see that still winning isn't working, like they, know. they yeah. since the Drew Brees era, it's been Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, and it's a team that is going to be. 500, slightly below 500, or slightly above, at best losing their first playoff game or at best losing their second playoff game. How does ownership not say, this isn't working for us anymore? This isn't championship chasing. This is nothing. You're kicking the can and kicking the can and kicking the can. Why not fire Dennis Allen, potentially move on from Mickey Loomis? You bring in some people who you're like, hey, you got a long-ass leash because we know you're entering. I remember when the Raiders – I keep bringing it back to the Raiders. wearing the shirt. When the Raiders first hired Reggie McKenzie – and uh, they're like, dude, this place sucks. We need you to clear out. Like, we, we like cut, cut anyone 
do anything, get us out of this cap hell that we're in, and then let's start making some plays. That gave him, you know, you get this like opportunity to like this, your first year is kind of like a red shirt. You know, if a new coach and a new GM came in for the, for the New Orleans Saints in 2024, it'd essentially be a redshirt. We're like, they don't care how many games you win. They just need you to figure out the cap stuff and try and maintain a culture through what is going to be an obvious teardown. And I don't know. I, I, does that not make, if you're a Saints fan, does that not sound more interesting and more enticing than firing Carmichael as the fall guy and then going there? Maybe, and now I'm getting into like the fans' perspective, and I know this was a ranking of hot seats, but I don't know. I, I find myself, if I was a Saints fan, I want, you know, I want to move move into a new era faster than 2026. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> that's the bet they made. But I will. So I would be more of the opinion that you give Mickey Loomis the directive of, "Hey, redo this," you know, like reset. Yeah. Like instead of saying like no more of that, right? Because he's been there 20 years. He built up the first Super Bowl champion there, then a decade of prosperity after that with the New Orleans Saints. And yeah, Drew Brees had a big hand in that too. Sean Payton had a big hand in that too. But his draft track record, free agent signing track record, is as good as it gets in the NFL. Like they true, true. were they were perennially a one and two seed there in the late 2010s in New Orleans. Like they were, you know, stones throws away from the Super Bowl if things would just bounce a different way. So they, they were on the doorstep. And so he built that up. Like I think he deserves some credit and deserves, you know, honestly what Jason Light's getting in Tampa Bay which is, hey, you can work through this doldrum that is the post sort of Super Bowl window hangover that we'll give you the allowance to work through it and then kind of evaluate once we start going on the upswing, once we start having cap space, once we start getting you know, in a different roster situation, then we can evaluate. I think that's you mm -hmm. afford Mickey Loomis that. So you give him at least through next year to see what he can do from that perspective. Because you know, really the only thing he did wrong was hold on too long. He didn't misevaluate talent. He wasn't uh, necessarily drafting poorly. He just held on too long to a cap situation that was untenable. So that's, and that was just to try to win more games in the short term, which was probably. I'm going to add this. Term, so. Last thing on the Saints conversation, and then we can jump to your number one. Mm -hmm. But I agree that he has one of the best track records in terms of hiring or signing for agents and identifying talent. I don't know. I think that well is drying up. Can I read you the last five first and second round picks or five draft classes, specifically first and second round picks for the Saints? This year was Brian Brzee and Isaiah Foskey. Who knows? We'll see where they end up. Haven't been impact players this year. Yeah. No conversations for either of those players being a defensive rookie of the year. Whatever. 2022, Chris Olave, who they are struggling to get into the end zone for whatever reason, but I do think he's a talented player. Good and then their other good first pick. round pick was Trevor Pennington. But remember, Chris Olave, yes, was a they good pick, out. but do you remember that they traded up? monstrous to go get him. They wanted him. Then you go to 2021, Peyton Turner, Pete Werner. 2020, Cesar Ruiz was their only first-round pick, no second-round pick. 2019, didn't have a first-round pick. They drafted Eric McCoy in the, in the second round, who's their starting center, and maybe that's good. Marcus Davenport, first-round pick in 2018. They traded up for. And then you go back, and then that's when you get into the 2017 class. Marshawn that's Lattin, so not that's Lattin that's Ramsey, far from a bad track 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 record though. I think Alante Taylor was in there too. Did you miss Alante Taylor? Okay. He was in there somewhere. I don't know if he was a first or second round pick, but yeah, I think he was a second rounder last year. Oh, you're right, Alante Taylor's there. That was and that's a good pick. So I I, I struggle to call that a like a pure doldrum on the par of you know what the Raiders have done in the first yeah. or second round. So. Okay, no one's touching the Raiders. The Raiders have been <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders have been like the worst draft record probably ever. 
that will ever go down. If the, did you know this, that if the Dolphins and the Lions win a playoff game this year, which I think Dolphins is extremely likely, likely Lions is also maybe likely, who knows, they maybe win a playoff game this year. The Raiders will have the longest active drought for a playoff win in the NFL at 21 years or whatever it is. Super and cool. I think the biggest reason for that has been the draft record, bro. I mean, they have not had a, 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 a good draft pick since, I mean, Khalil Mack, their last good first-round draft pick that actually ended up being like two plus, they turned into all those picks. I think Derek McFadden, some people will bring up. Amari Cooper was obviously good, but they ended up trading him. Like, I don't know. Like, their, their draft record is one of the worst in the NFL. I remember I was, a ch- I was a child and only would read draft magazines and just watch, like, college football. And even I would watch the Raiders drafts and be like, this is horrible. <laughs> you know, like, what, what are they doing? Darren McFadden at they, four? Just be like, remember no. They, remember when they drafted Robert Gallery at, like, number two overall, yeah. whatever it was? That, yep. And they made some decisions. Darius Hayward Bay, top ten. Over Michael Crabtree, over Jeremy, yeah. over Jeremy Macklin. Reggie McKenzie's first draft, he brought in DJ Hayden at 13th overall. When I think guys like Darius Slay were in that class. Uh, I yeah, think like Desmond Trufant was in that class. Like, that was – that was they, they made some calls. Dude, we haven't even brought up the Damon Arnett. They brought in Jonathan Well, that was, Once you got to the Gruden era, it was yeah, a it was little hell. show who they were going to draft. I still – oh, my God. My, one of my favorites was their very first draft, I think it was, when they had the – fourth overall pick the Cleveland Furl pick someone tweets out the day before that's going to be a it's going to shock the world and like in my yeah. head I'm like oh man they're going like DK Metcalf for I think they're that was going, Peter Schrager yeah and boy did they freaking shock the world one of the worst top five picks I've just ever seen that, that to me seen. that to me is the most obvious why didn't you pick this guy you know because I think everyone does that in the draft where they're like why didn't they just pick this guy why didn't they pick Josh Allen yeah. Same sides, like literally, like, like no, remember their justification. He's a, yeah. he said that Furl felt like more of a like a six technique or something, a guy that could take on tight ends when they were literally the exact same height and weight. Furl just had a half inch longer arms, and it was like he just felt like more of a guy. It's like, no, no, that one. And okay. Josh Allen hasn't been like this world beater by any means, but he, like he's a good player. Like, he's a good, good productive player. Like, I don't know. Anyway. You, you, if he's your fourth overall pick, you're very happy that you got Josh Allen. You just are. That's just how yeah. it is. Uh, he's better, I mean, he's better like Chase Young. Um, all right. I got two more. I'll, I'll breeze through these because they're pretty self-explanatory. Ron Rivera, number two. Washington Commanders. I don't even think he wants to coach there anymore, man. I think he's <laughs> sick of this. Like, it's absolutely a joke at this point. When you're trading away Chase Young and Montez Sweat, I have no behind-the-scenes info on why that's the case, but it's like, how could you not make this work, right? You had two yeah. uber-talented, young, edge defenders. How are you not set for the next decade? I don't know. That one never made sense. Their draft decision on the defensive side of the ball. And again, I don't know how much a hand he has in these things. I don't know what it is. But none of these, like Jamin Davis, Ben St. Juice, Federian Mathis, Emmanuel Forbes, Quan Martin, who's actually really hasn't played, so I can't really say much on him. But no impact from all four of those guys. None. Secondary sip. You're 29th in points per drive against on defense. I just, maybe a lot of these decisions are out of his hands, but again, you were seven to nine, won the East in 2020. You've only gone backwards since then. Things have not gotten better. And truthfully, like it looks like you're in the start of an absolute spiral here uh, for this franchise. It does not look like it's getting better. Anytime I, soon. So my, my, my thing with Ron Rivera is obviously there's this, maybe Eric B me gets the opportunity next year, but there must be um, a lack of information that gets to D.C. because we obviously had the Ron Rivera thing where he didn't know they were eliminated from the playoffs. And that was like an embarrassment for anybody, for anybody. 
then I keep coming back to that quote where a reporter brought up what how how often Sam Howell's been sacked, and Eric Bieniemy's like he's been sacked that many times. It's like, what are you guys doing? What are we doing here? You you are the coaches of the team. I, I they're not even in, they're not even invested. You got reporters who are like, yeah, he's technically on on pace for ninety six sacks. You're like that many? It's like, dude, you you are sorry for cursing. You are the you are the coach of the team. How are you? How do you not know? Uh, anyway, I don't know. Washington's a. It, well, that's why I was saying. Yeah, I don't even I know don't Robert Vera wants to be there anymore. Honestly, it doesn't seem. Well, like I it. think ownership stepping in. They're like, dude, this sucks. Can we just restart? Like, I, like Josh Harris. Did you watch? We haven't talked about this, and it would have been perfect for our old podcast tailgate. But Josh Harris, I think it was a preseason game. The new owner for the Washington Commanders, dude, was bombed at his. Um, he was in the booth with the commentators at a. Washington preseason game. Do you remember this? No, I don't. Oh my gosh. I'm going to send you the tweets after this because dude was shelled. Celebrating, living the dream, but dude was shelled. I think he's ready to party a little bit. And he's like, dude, rip this thing down to the studs. Trust the process. He was in that same ownership group with the, with the um, Philadelphia 76ers. It's like, dude, this we don't have it here. Let's get rid of Montez. Let's get rid of Chase Young. At the end of the year, I think I clean house and we try and do something else. It, it feels like that Madden franchise season where you're just like, all right, I'm just going to start simming the games. I, I, I'm done trying to make this team work. We're going to sim and we're going to go to the draft. That's what it feels like right now yeah. for the Washington Commanders. All right, my last one. I don't know how we even didn't say this because it's 100% him. He is the most on the hot seat. He's maybe more on the hot seat than anyone's ever been on the hot seat. It's Matt Eberflus. Yeah. He ain't going to last, dude. He's 5-20 and 20 as a head coach. He has had two different assistants literally fired already this year. He's had to fire his running backs coach that just happened, David Walker, for impropriety, apparently, or something. They're, again, cagey. No one's doing any freaking research into what's going on in this building, apparently. But David Walker gets fired. Alan Williams got fired, the D.C., earlier this year for, He had to resign. Again. He had to resign. He's taking, he's taking care of his family. Okay. Mike. He's taking care of his family. For Lord knows what, because again, <laughs> no one's doing any investigative journalism in the Chicago area. So we don't know what's happened to these guys, but both are gone. And if you're having to let go of your running backs coach, your DC, it's like, dude, it's it's a matter of time. They're- that's, an- that's another situation too, though, where it's like, Eberflus is like, this ain't for me. You know, there's, a, there's a world where Eberflus is like, honestly, should I go back to being a DC? Because this <laughs> is rough. Like I, my my DC quit on me, like yeah. quit on me, and my running backs coach and I was reading the tea leaves a little bit here. This is not a report. This is kind of how I'm reading it. But like when they did the interview about it and like talked to him about it, there was like this standard of he mentioned of being on time. To, and I wonder if this guy wasn't even showing on time to me. I don't know. Again, I'm not reporting anything, but like to call out specifically the standard of being on time as what's part of this standard when Would you fire insane. a running backs coach that is banana land. To me, I I think Eberflus is like, dude, if I was just calling defensive coordinator for some good coach here and he's taking the heat, because he doesn't seem like a guy who likes the media either, versus our guy, Arthur Smith, who I think loves it. Literally loves it. This dude loves the media. Every fantasy guy wants to hate on him. He loves the media more than anyone could ever think. He is obsessed. Every time he goes up to the podium, he's looking to drop a bar. But then also Chicago and dude, Arthur Smith's hilarious. He's, I hope he never gets fired, honestly, because it's great. The content's unbelievable. It's so good. It's so good. He's also got a great um, stash. So is the yeah. DC there in Atlanta. They got a good stash thing going. But back to Eberflus, just one last point. It also feels like, though, this is like an Eberflus polls, almost like what we're talking about with the Raiders, where 
everything they've touched turns to poo. Like they, they have not made a hit yet. You know, the, the free yeah. agent signings, Tremaine Edmonds, Yannick Ngakwe, you had the most cap space in NFL history. And what's your opinion of the, of the Montez sweat trade? I didn't really get oh, trading a second round pick. Yeah. Yeah. It was that that's what free agency's for, dude. That's not what you trade yeah. second round picks for. Not to say those guys, maybe not Montez sweats caliber come available, but I mean, Brian Burns, Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, all going to be free agents. Are they all going to resign with the teams that they were on? I mean, if the commanders are looking to deal them, they would have let them walk after the season anyway. So you would just yeah. go on highest bidder. Like, what do you, it, it's reeked of, let me try to save my job. And it's like the same top of the second round that, you know, Clay, Chase Claypool was last year. You're giving away premium yeah. picks for guys that, I mean, in Claypool's case, didn't do diddly poo for you. What, what I will say, and I won't say poo, the, the Chase Claypool trade, when it happened, I was like, this guy, even not on an expiring contract, isn't worth it. Like, he's not worth a second-round pick. Like, the no, talent no. isn't worth what he traded for. With Sweat, in a vacuum, contracts out the window, I think Chase, I think he's one. He's, he's a second-round caliber player in terms of who you're trading for. The problem I had with it, again, is what you're saying. You're going to have to sign him to this big deal at the end anyway. Why not? It's halfway through the freaking season. Wait. Yes. Wait. This until, is not the time to losing, make that move. And you're losing. And you're losing. You're, yeah. you're 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 starting Tyson Badgett this week. It's not the time to be buyers at the deadline. Wait until free agency and flash the checkbook a little bit, Pauls. You could have lured Montez Sweat in free agency. And if they and if you couldn't, this is the other thing too. GMs and coaches, and we've talked about this a ton. They lock in on players. They lock in. They're like you're overconfident. Like we have to go get this guy. When you're oftentimes playing the probabilities. And it's like if Montez Sweat signed a tag in the offseason, it's all, man, we wish we traded for him at the deadline. There's going to be other players available. And you're not going to make some of these mistakes, like trading a second-round pick for a guy that you're going to have to sign to some monster deal because the leverage is toast. Everyone forgets about the leverage piece too. It's like, you think Montez Sweat's going to ask for pennies on the dollar? He's going to ask for a, a, a Burke's truck. Why? Because they just traded a second-round pick for him. I don't know, man. Like it's a, You know, it kind of reminds me of what was the Bradley Tr- Chubb trade? Yeah, did they trade first, for Brad, wasn't it a, a, first. a first, and then you had to give him this money, and he's been fine, maybe even less that one, than I mean, fine. we went in on that one, too. Like, that one, yeah. that, one that, that was not a good trade either. Like, that was, again, that is what free agency is for. Free agency yeah. is you sign know, those man. guys. And maybe you don't get guys of, again, that caliber. But you could have this past offseason. You could have gotten Zedaria Smith, Jadavion and Clowney. If you signed both those guys this last offseason, you have a 10x times better edge rushing group than the bears have right now this is where i come back to ownership and i've been thinking more about ownership as i like wrote that josh mcdaniels piece and stuff like i get wanting to give a gm and a coach you know something that's thrown around a lot like full reign carte blanche do whatever you want Mm -hmm. if you are trading for players high draft capital for players first and second round picks and then especially players that you're going to have to sign to contracts in the near future, if not at the end of the year, I think ownership needs to look at that decision and, and approve it. Yes or no. And maybe they did, but if you're an owner and you're seeing that and you're like, Oh yeah, let's do it. You're not in a position to make that. Decision. You're not, you're, you're, you're not in a position to be that because like, this is one that feels so, so obvious. It's in, I don't know when it gets to these kind of obvious mistakes, what's the best case scenario here The the bears, start winning games when Justin Fields gets back and they narrowly miss the playoffs with like an eight-win season. They sign Montez Sweat to make him the second or third highest paid defensive end, and he plays – I'm talking best-case scenario, like maybe the sixth or seventh best defensive end in football, maybe eighth or ninth be best crazy. defensive end in football. I mean, that would and be that would, an utterly yeah. crazy scenario, though. 
And so you, you, you put out those range of outcomes. You're like, that's the best case scenario. It's also very unlikely. You run that out. It takes you 10 minutes. You're like, what the fuck are we doing? Well, let's not do this. I don't know. Like, some of this stuff, man. And it comes back to, and this is full circle now. It comes back to the inputs for who is making these decisions in the NFL is not changing at the rate the league is changing. Who gets the positions of ownership? Who gets the positions of GM? And who gets the positions of coach and all these key decision makers? How those hiring processes are happening is not changing at the rate that the league is changing in terms of what makes a high value decision versus a low value decision with how positional value has changed, how the salary cap is changing, how the draft, the, the rookie wage scale has changed. Instead, we're still hiring Lombardi's. We're still hiring Belichick's friends. You know, we're still doing all these things that the teams that are actually having success are ones that, I don't know, I think are moving away from some of that stuff and are trying to change things. I don't know. I do. I do. I will say though, it just feels like a decision to try save your job. I think it's a bigger thing is that yeah, it's more like short-term versus long-term focus in decision-making. You have guys prioritize short-term because that's job security for them. And so Ryan Poles, mm -hmm. this decision reeks of, I need to win four more games this year, five more games so that I still have a job next year. As opposed how to, much of that, I care about okay. winning an NFC North title or a Super Bowl. I agree with that. And I don't want to go along on this. I know we're all over time, but like, and I got to leave actually, but um, how much of that is ownership setting poor expectations? Yeah. If I was an yeah. owner and I'm I come in, you bring yeah. in Josh, you bring in Josh McDaniels and you bring in, uh, what's his, uh, Dave Ziegler. The number one metric you're trying to move, if this was a lemonade stand, is not selling lemonade. I need you to get the players to like you and I need you to put a plan together where this is going to work in three years, where we're selling lemonade in three years. If you're an owner and you're setting bad expectations that forces your GM and forces your coach to make these short-term decisions, you're, you're the one who's the failure, right? You're the one who's making these mistakes. If you, if Mark Davis told Josh McDaniels that, Hey, I want to make the playoffs next year. You're you're, and I know they just made the playoffs, but still like that roster wasn't good enough. That roster was not good enough. And I don't know. I, I, I do feel like we're talking long and I'm just frustrated. I just want people to make some better decisions. How many times do we get on these pods? And we're like, what are we doing? What are some of these people doing? It doesn't, it, these people are paid millions of dollars for all these decisions. And we just keep hiring our buddies and our brother and, making the same calls that we've made and short-term decisions versus long-term, all that stuff. But anyway, I'm fired up and I'm sorry for cursing. Poo, poo, poo. That's all right. I'll go through and blank them all out. Appreciate you coming on, buddy. We'll uh, do it again. See next you Have a good one. Peace. That was a doozy with Austin Gale. It tends to be when he comes on the show tomorrow, we'll be ranking offensive tackle prospects with the one and only Brandon Thorne, the most knowledgeable offensive line expert online right now. Best out doing it. Cannot wait to pick his brain about this tackle class because it's a top-tier tackle class. The top three, very impressed with those guys. I fully expect them all to be top 10 picks when it's all said and done. We'll get Brandon's thoughts, see if he agrees on tomorrow's show. Make sure you like, subscribe, follow, whatever it is on YouTube, wherever your podcast really helps me out. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one.